Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I want to jump into this Justin Amash issue and what this federal court, this Obama appointee did a couple hours ago with both feet. With both feet. And break this down like nobody else will. I'm telling you, this is really an abomination. But I also want to tell you, those of you who've pre-ordered the book, I want to thank you. But tomorrow is the day that Unfreedom of the Press comes out, and it relates to everything that's going on right this minute. Everything that's going on right this minute, this agenda being pushed by the leftists in the media, where they just repeat themselves, repeat themselves, it's propaganda. I mean, I'm telling you, this is a very, very important issue. I wouldn't spend my time on it. I wouldn't write a book about it. I wouldn't do book signings about it. I wouldn't waste your time. I just wouldn't. Those of you who've ordered on Amazon, I just want you to know that your books will be arriving tomorrow. But every major bookstore, every major warehouse store, Target, Walmart, Costco, um, BJ's, I can't name them all, I can't remember them all, certainly Barnes & Noble, Books a Million, they're all going to have the books, a supply first edition on freedom of the press, and it appears it's going to be a rather significant book. And, of course, as I said on Amazon.com, you can go there right now and order. Because we must push back. We must push back. And all Levinites, it's time to rise up. All of you folks involved in the past, in the Reagan Revolution, all you folks who are part of the Tea Party, the Convention of States, all the Trump supporters, we must unite to protect what is ours. The Constitution, yes. But the press is ours, too. The press doesn't know that, but the press is ours, too. Just like freedom of speech. These are protections of the individual. Protections of the individual. And we have to push back. And I want to thank, by the way, all my wonderful affiliates out there who are participating in this. Because if anything, talk radio is about freedom of speech and freedom of the press. I want to thank all the wonderful people in TV who've been supportive. Sean Hannity, I mean really, like a brother. Jesse Waters. I want to thank Pete Hegseth. Brett Baer, there's going to be a piece running in a, in a few minutes on the Fox News channel. Um, Shannon Bream will be doing the Shannon Bream show. I just want to thank everybody, and as... We do more. I will be mentioning them as well. But I can already see, I can already see the patriots in this country 
We're sick and tired and starting to unite around this cause. And the cause is press freedom. Not unfreedom of the press, press freedom. And so we have this ruling today by an Obama judge. And I'm going to get to this. But first I want to talk about Justin Amash. What Justin Amash did was a disgrace. He's a Benedict Arnold. He's a Benedict Arnold against the Constitution. And I'm going to tell you why. While he poses to be for the Constitution, while he poses as a purist of the Constitution, he's no damn such thing. What we've seen here, what we've seen here by the Obama administration, by the special counsel's office in the report, by the media, by the Democrats in the House of Representatives, we've seen a war against the Constitution. And this man stands up and pretends that he's defending the Constitution by calling Bill Barr a liar, by saying the President of the United States has demonstrated he ought to be impeached. Let's start from the beginning. Who was it that put spies in the, in the Trump uh, campaign? Who was it that abused federal courts, the FISA courts? Who was it that colluded with the Russians and tried to cover their tracks by laundering their money through Fusion GPS? Who was it that used the senior levels of the FBI during the course of the campaign, the presidential transition, and thereafter to try and blackmail a president of the United States on January 6th? Who was it that abused the Department of Justice and used a law nobody uses, the Logan Act? Who was it that abused the intelligence agencies and departments of this government by unmasking over 200 American citizens and leaking names to the media? And Justin Amash believes that the victim of this should be removed from office because if you favor impeachment, you favor his removal. Justin Amash believes that 63 million Americans should be disenfranchised. Justin Amash playing along with the police state, playing along with the anti-free press. That's who he is. But he's getting a lot of support, ladies and gentlemen, from the media and the left. From the media and the left a self-promoter, always kind of a creepy guy, but a self-promoter. And so I will ask Justin Amash this question. I will ask him this question. Where in the Constitution does it provide for the appointment of a special counsel? Where in the Constitution does it provide for the appointment of a special counsel? Nowhere. Because the whole idea is bizarre, quite frankly. You have a special counsel investigating the head of the executive branch. Let's go on, Mr. Purist. Whatever happened to separation of powers? These subpoenas against the President of the United States, they're not de facto legitimate just because they're issued. There's a legitimate challenge going on, and I'll get to that in a minute. A legitimate challenge going on. The idea 
That subpoenas against the president's private life, private financial activities, accountants and lawyers are within the purview of Article One of the Constitution. I don't give a damn what some Obama judge has to say. It's outrageous. Outrageous. Separation of powers. Trying to take down a president of the United States. More on that. And what about this special counsel? And the issuance of his report. Tell me, Mr. Amash, when a prosecutor issues a report, a report that he knows is going to be made public, and it contains secret grand jury information, who's abusing power then, Mr. Amash? Tell me, Mr. Amash, when a prosecutor issues a 450-page report, when he's supposed to provide essential, concise information to the Attorney General of the United States about why he charged somebody and why he didn't, rather than speculate about the guilt and innocence of another man. Tell me, Mr. Amash, does that violate due process of the Constitution? I think it does. You're a disgrace. We'll have a gentleman on in hour three. His name is Lower, L-O-W-E-R. I don't know anything about him. I'm not endorsing him, but he's decided to run in the Republican primary against Mr. Amash, and as I learn more, I'll make a decision down the road. But I do know this, Mr. Amash must be defeated. Not because he's anti-Trump, because he's anti-Constitution. And look at the narrative in this country, ladies and gentlemen, that somehow Trump's abusing power. Trump hasn't abused any power. He hasn't abused any power whatsoever. He accommodated an outrageous special counsel who made outrageous appointments to his staff. And now he's trying to defend the office of the presidency so future presidents cannot be harassed and burdened and undermined this way by out-of-control members of Congress and the federal judiciary. That damn federal judiciary. My very first book, Men in Black. The judicial oligarchy and the judicial tyranny. Men and women appointed for life. Men and women appointed for life who have a duty to the Constitution, not to politics. And we have an Obama judge. That's right, Mr. Chief Justice. An Obama judge who undermined the legal process, consolidated it, don't you know? No discovery whatsoever. So quick was he to deliver the president's documents to the Democrats in the House of Representatives, of which he was one that is a Democrat partisan. And when we come back, I will tell you what this judge did, and I will tell you what a disgrace Judge Amit Meta is. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale College has provided students with sound learning of the kind essential to preserving our civil and religious liberty. Now, I want to tell you about Imprimus the free monthly speech digest of Hillsdale College. Imprimus is dedicated to educating citizens 
and promoting civil and religious liberty by covering important cultural, economic, political, and educational issues. First published in 1972, Imprimus is one of America's most widely read publications in support of liberty, with more subscribers, 3.9 million, than the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. And recent Imprimus publications have addressed issues like free speech, the regulation of big tech, mental illness, and the American medical insurance system. And because America's founding principles are so important, Hillsdale offers Imprimus absolutely free of charge to anyone who requests it. That's right. You can subscribe to Imprimus for free. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to visit Imprimus.Hillsdale.edu for your free subscription. That's Imprimus, I-M-P-R-I-M-I-S dot Hillsdale dot E-D-U. Welcome to Hillsdale. Mitt Romney on CNN yesterday. Now, why do you think they invited Mitt Romney on CNN, and why do you think Mitt Romney went to CNN? Why do you think? Let's just listen in, shall we? Cut one, go. You and Congressman Amash are the only two elected Republicans, I think, to express any misgivings about the behavior of the president or his campaign team uh, based on the Mueller report. So let's stop right there. That's a question? Tell me something, Jake Tapper. When you have you found a Democrat who has any misgivings about the Mueller report? Have you brought up a single Democrat who has any misgivings about the Mueller report? One. Do you understand what a reprobate you are? Do you understand what a fraud you are? Do you understand why people are disgusted with CNN and the media and completely turned off that half the country want nothing to do with you? And the other half will soon learn the same thing. I want you to listen to the first sentence again. Start at the top, Mr. Producer. Go. You and Congressman Amash are the only two elected Republicans, I think, to express any misgivings about the behavior of the president. So about the behavior of the president. And he's never asked, he's never said to a single Democrat who's appeared on his no ratings program. You and Congressman fill-in-the-blank are the only two elected Democrats, I think, to express any misgivings about the behavior of the Mueller team and the Mueller report. Those words will never pass his lips. So you see, Jake, even more unified than the Republicans are the Democrats. You know, like you. Even more unified than the Republicans are the media. You know, like you. Go ahead team uh, based on the Mueller report. First of all, are you surprised that you two are the only ones that have really said anything uh, condemning of the president's behavior as laid out? You see, see, ladies and gentlemen, there's really no reason to have a guest. The only reason Jake Tapper has a guest is to dress up like a journalist. I'm not giving the answers. I'm just asking the tough questions he can say. He's really not asking any questions. He's giving an opinion and putting a question mark behind it. This is why, Jake Tapper, you're a complete and utter fraud. You're not a newsman. You're not a newsman. And let's hear what Mitt Romney had to say while we're at it. Go ahead. 
Well, I think every individual has to make their own judgment. I think it helps to actually have read the entire uh, document. It's a long document. It took me two full days to get through it. And the second volume is a more difficult one to get through than the first. So uh, hopefully more people read it. But I, I, well, let, me, I think- let me let me just stop, Mitt Romney. I read the whole document. It didn't take me two days. It took me one day, actually. But I read the whole document. And the second part was harder for you to get through. Why? Because of the allegations. Tell me, Mitt Romney, when you read the second part, were you concerned at all that a prosecutor would write such things about an individual who was never charged or they never even attempted to charge? Did that bother you? Did the Constitution ring any bells in your ears, Mr. Romney? Apparently not in Mr. Amash's ears. Did you say to yourself, wait a minute, this is a prosecutor's document. Why would a prosecutor write something like this? Did it bother you in the least, Mr. Romney? No, it didn't. No, it didn't. You want to know why? Because you're a sucker. You're a sucker. Go ahead. People that want to reserve judgment until uh, this is all played out. Uh, My own view is that uh, Justin Amash has reached a different conclusion than I have. Uh, I respect him. I think it's a courageous statement. Stop. Why was it a courageous statement? His tweets. I read his tweets. They didn't look courageous to me. You know what courageous is? When a 19-year-old puts on the uniform and goes to Afghanistan. You know what courageous is? When a 20-year-old puts on the uniform and goes to Syria. That's courageous. You know what courageous is? When men and women put on the blue uniform and have to go in very, very dangerous areas or have to stop cars and they don't know who's behind the wheel. Now, that's dangerous. What Justin Amash did wasn't courageous. This is part of the problem with Washington, D.C., the media, the politicians, and the whole damn aquarium there. This is considered courageous. There's nothing courageous about it. And here you have Jake Tapper and Mitt Romney who don't discuss the central point. The central point is, why do we have this report? Why did we have a special counsel? Who's the victim in this case? What's with this volume two? This volume two. Well, we could have, but we didn't, but we should have. I'll tell you something, Mitt Romney. When people were defending you, I don't think you would have agreed with that approach that a prosecutor would take. I don't think you would agree that Every asset you held, including those and overseas and every accountant that ever worked on your activities for the last 30 years or your tax returns should be the subject of, a, of a six different committees investigating you with all kinds of subpoenas. What do you think about that, Mitt? You know what, Mitt? You're a disgrace, too. You were the nominee. I voted for you. Tens of millions of us voted for you. But I'm starting to think we were kind of lucky. No, 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 no. Not because we got Obama. But I'm starting to think you would have been a hell of a disaster as President of the United States. You want to know how I know this, Mitt? Because you're a hell of a disaster as a United States Senator. You have said more negative things about the President of the United States than you have about the regime that runs Iran, or the regime that runs Syria, or the regime that runs China, or the regime that runs Russia, or the regime that runs North Korea. You realize that, Mitt? You've said more negative things about the President of the United States than any of those countries. You sound like a jerk. I'll be right back. Folks, many of our nation's oldest colleges were founded to teach students to seek truth, recognize what's beautiful, and hold up what is good. But sadly, many have lost their way. Locked in the grip of political correctness, they no longer allow free and open discourse and instead peddle their moral and cultural relativism. 
Thankfully, there's Hillsdale College. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission, to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety. And as Hillsdale enters its 175th year, their goal is simple and yet profound, to help students understand what is noblest and best in yourself and the world. Hillsdale College's liberal arts education and vibrant campus community help students form a foundation for the rest of their lives, a truly life-defining experience. So if you're looking for a college that prizes learning and values intellectual enthusiasm, where everyone shares a strong sense of meaning and purpose, welcome to Hillsdale College. Please visit hillsdale.edu slash admissions to plan a visit and learn more. That's hillsdale.edu slash admissions. The establishment's worst nightmare. Mark Levin. Call in now. 877-381-3811. Folks, if you're near a computer or you have your uh, handheld device, iPhone, etc., Go to the Drudge Report. I want you to go to the Drudge Report. I want you to look at the top middle of the Drudge Report. There's the book. It probably won't help my buddy uh, Matt Drudge very much, but I want to thank him for posting it up there, Unfreedom of the Press. I'm not in a race with anybody, any other author, and so forth and so on. I just want this book to get out. I want as many people to read it as possible. I really feel like... Well, let me tell you something. I, I may have said this. I'm not sure. I acquired a copy of Thomas Paine's American Cause. You know, his more famous pamphlet was Common Sense. But American Cause was a very, very important pamphlet. And I think I told you that I've, uh, I've acquired a copy of this. And as I read about these great pamphleteers and these great early printers, we need to do the same maybe not exactly the same with, with modern technology and so forth and so on. But this whole country belongs to us. This Constitution belongs to us. We're the freedom of the press. Freedom of the press belongs to us. And I just got to thinking. I'm not going to write a pamphlet, but i got to write a book. I've got to do something about this. i got to remind as many of us as possible who we are, where we come from, what our history is. What's being, what's being done to our country? What's being done to our president? What's being done to the, the constitutional system by the progressive movement, which has devoured, yes, the media as well? And this concerns me. And I figure we got to have an impact, and we can have an impact. You know, way back when, December 23, 1776, if I recall properly, when the American cause first appeared in a newspaper, the impact was enormous, common sense even more so. And word, word of mouth spread. People began talking to each other. Now you might say, well, what the hell can we do about the New York Times and the Washington Post? It doesn't matter. There's new forms of communication, new forms of reporting news. New forms are doing all these things, and there'll be more in the future. They had to bail out the Washington Post. Bezos did. They had to bail out the New York Times, a billionaire Mexican telecommunications magnate did it. CNN has no ratings. 
But because they're ubiquitous, because they're in our face, because they're subsidized, because they press, press, press each and every day, they influence federal judges. They influence this federal judge. They influence the acts of what are going on in these committees and so forth. They stand shoulder to shoulder with these people. Now, I don't know about you, but we just can't sit here and take this anymore. This is the way I've always been. 13 years old up to now. Whether the Reagan revolution or the Tea Party revolution, the Article 5 Convention of States, and I'm trying with you to defend a duly elected president of the United States who doesn't deserve any of what he's getting. They want to steamroller him. And I am telling you that we've got to spread the word. And I've done the very best I can to marshal the arguments, the explanations, the facts, the history of what we're dealing with here. I've done the very best I can. I'm not competing with other authors. I'm on a mission like you. I love this country. I revere our Constitution. We all support freedom of the press. It's being perverted by the media. Freedom of the press is not simply some jackass calling himself Brian Stelter going on TV or Jake Tapper playing the role of a journalist and so forth. They're free to do whatever they want. But that's not the press as understood historically. That's a bunch of loudmouth leftist Democrats who are pushing their agenda, their social activism agenda. They're not focused on news. They're manufacturing news. They're not focused on news. They're pushing propaganda. Now, there's tens of millions of us. We need to inform ourselves. This book is not written for CNN. This book is not written for MSNBC. It's written with you in mind. You in mind, my audiences, and hopefully beyond that. People who are gravely concerned about the direction of this country and what's happening when we choose to elect somebody president of the United States who they don't like. Way back in April 2016, before the man was even running, they were talking about impeaching him. The day after he was elected, they were talking about impeaching him and indicting him. And true to form, that's what they're trying to do. But this book isn't even about the president, even though, obviously, when you're writing about the press in this day and age, he plays a significant role. It's about the press. This is the lowest time for freedom of the press in American history, I would argue. And that's what I argue in the book. The lowest. Well, we have to act, think, behave like people who believe in liberty. We have to be the patriots on whose shoulders we stand. I mean, we're not in a physical war. But we are in a war of sorts, a political war, a war between liberty and tyranny. Don't worry about how you're viewed by them. They hate you. That's also explained in the book. They hate you. They hate each and every one of us. And those of us who lift our heads and dare to speak, dare to write, they come gunning for us. So be it. So be it. 
I want you to think of the great men who founded this country. I want you to think about them and what they put on the line. We have got to rally. Rally for freedom. Rally for freedom. That is what we must do. I hope you'll join me. All of you can join me in five or six hours. All of you can join me. And let us make a statement. Trust me when I tell you that the same people who attack you, the same people who attack the president, they've been attacking me for decades. And they're trying to figure out what to do, either to attack or to sit silently and pretend this book doesn't exist. Don't worry about them. I'll deal with them. I really think you can read this book, you can discuss it with your family, you can discuss it with your friends, and make a difference. That is my hope. That is my hope. Well, Mark, you do it for money. Let me tell you something. Radio, TV, and all the rest, the least amount of money I make is from writing books. And it's the most amount of solitary work. I don't do it for money. Obviously, I'm going to take the money other than give it to the publisher, but that's not the point. The point is to get the word out there. There's the spoken word, there's television, and there's the written word. And I happen to believe it. it's the written word that lasts as long as forever may be. It's not the spoken word, unless people take it down and write it and record it. It's not TV. It's the written word. People don't collect radio audio. People don't collect TV video. I mean, you know, here and there, but that's not what I'm talking about. People collect the written word because it lasts forever. I don't just come behind a microphone and talk. Oh, yeah, I talk. Otherwise, you'd have dead air and silent prayer the whole time. Yeah, I I talk. But I'm about real things. I'm about missions. I tell my family all the time. I'm not here to fill space. Yes, I want to be the greatest radio broadcaster I can be. I want to be the best television host I can be. But more than that, I want to be the greatest patriot I can be. I've got children and grandchildren just like you do. I hear these things that are said about my country. I hear this little punk with Chris Wallace and Fox the other night trashing Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson. This jerk mayor, Pete who none of us ever heard of until 30 or 40 days ago, dares to put down Thomas Jefferson, he will never do one one thousandth of one percent of what Thomas Jefferson did for this country. And neither will the rest of them. Neither will the rest of them. All right. I got a little distracted there. I want to talk about this judge and this decision. You should be very concerned about it. And these judges, let me tell you something, they read newspapers and they watch TV. They read newspapers and they watch TV. 
We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Every human being has a common problem. How do I live well? Our happiness and well-being depends on how we answer that question. Hillsdale College President Larry Arn argues that the best book ever written on this subject is Aristotle's Nicomachean Ethics. And a new free online course from Hillsdale College shares Aristotle's teachings that will help you lead the most complete, happy life possible. Register for this free course, Introduction to Aristotle's Ethics, How to Lead a Good Life, featuring lessons from the greatest self-help book ever written at levinforhillsdale.com. In just 10 on-demand videos, each only 30 minutes long, you'll learn how to confront the chief obstacles to happiness and make the choices that build good character. Aristotle presents a guide for securing a virtuous life. And if you take this free course from Hillsdale and heed Aristotle's advice, your life will change for the better. You can learn how to lead a good life just as every Hillsdale College student does. It's yours for free at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Let's take a look at this case based on what Politico wrote. Judge upholds Dem subpoena for Trump financial records. It's a big win for House Democrats, so the president will surely appeal. So there's the opinion right there. A federal judge, it's an Obama judge. See, they will even mention that? No. And I can tell you, if a Republican judge who ruled the other way, you'd know all about it. A federal judge upheld a congressional subpoena seeking President Donald Trump's, listen to this, financial records from an accounting firm dealing a blow to the president's efforts to resist Democratic investigations. Now, that's not exactly accurate either. He's trying to resist an illegitimate pursuit of his financial records. U.S. District Court Judge Amit Mehta's ruling means that Mazars USA must comply with the House Oversight and Reform Committee's subpoena for eight years of Donald Trump's financial records. Eight years of his financial records, though the president is certain to appeal the ruling. And the president filed suit last month to block the subpoena, arguing that it amounted to an abuse of congressional authority. I have never seen it. <coughs> excuse me. A decision reached this fast by any federal judge, ever. You know, they're not seeking a temporary restraining order or an injunction. No, 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 no. It's not a, I have never seen a decision on the merits this fast in my life. Oversight Committee Chairman Elijah Cummings issued the subpoena to Mazars, this is accounting firm, last month. As part of the panel's investigation into whether Trump committed financial crimes before he became president. What? What? That's the first I've heard that. In particular, the committee has sought to corroborate specific claims made by Trump's former personal attorney and fixer, Michael Cohen. Just think about this. Attorney-client privilege violated. Now, the accounting privilege, such as it is violated. Now, his personal records. There's no criminal investigation. None. We have a House committee. That's seeking this information. They don't do criminal investigations. Earlier this year, Cohen turned over documents to the panel which purport to show that Trump artificially inflated and deflated the values of his assets to suit his personal financial benefit. And it goes on. 
I hope the Republicans are paying attention because the very next Democrat president, you need to subpoena the hell out of them. As a matter of fact, if it were me, if it were me and I were the Speaker of the House or I were leading the Republicans in the Senate, I'm not kidding you, I would subpoena the financial records of every single Supreme Court justice and every appellate judge in the D.C. Circuit, every one of them. Every one of them. Because the rationale for gaining information from these judges is really no different than getting it from the President of the United States. And that is to ensure that their rulings are rulings unaffected by their financial investments. I'm quite serious about this. It's not just to be used against a Republican president who they don't like. There was never any request for Obama's taxes. This is all BS. You have a, a man who confessed to felonies, multiple felonies, including lying to Congress, as the basis for another phony subpoena. You have a, an Obama judge. These Obama judges are a poison to the judicial system. They've tried to block virtually every move the president has made to secure the border, to secure the country, to undo the disastrous Obama environmental regulations, to address DACA, which is unconstitutional on its face, one Obama judge after another, one Obama court after another. And now the President of the United States, his financial records, should be viewed by the Democrats, and that is members of the House of Representatives. I want you to think about that. You know what that means? His financial records will now be released to the, to, to the entire world. You know, his children still run his businesses. They still have interests in these things. And so even competitors are going to get this information now. It, it is such an outrage. The judicial tyranny. What is this jerk's name? Hold on a second. I forget it. Judge Amit Meta. Good job there, pal. I know you're wearing a robe and your honor and you got a bell. If it really looks cool, you have a courtroom. But we know what you are. You're a hack. That's my opinion, and I'm standing by it. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Everybody, Mark Levin here. Our number 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. I hope you didn't miss the first hour, but there's always the podcast. You know we have a podcast, right? You can always listen to that if you've missed any portion of this program. It's a big following on that podcast. Consider we we have over eight hundred eight and a half million people listening in terrestrial radio. Millions more listening in other formats than our podcast. So we do have that. And I want you to listen to this story. And by the way, I want to thank Brett Baer. Apparently the segment I taped with him the other day, a portion of it was aired while I was on the air in the last hour. What we're going to do is gather that up. We will post that piece, which is seven or eight minutes long. 
And then we will also post the online version that Fox has when they post that, which is 16 or 17 minutes long. But I'll tell you what, Brett Baer is a very nice man. Brett Baer also is an old-time journalist. I don't mean by age. I mean by tradition. He's a real pro. You can't tell his philosophy. You can't tell his politics. And that's the point. Uh, It's not a question whether you agree with him all the time. You just know he's trying to do a good job. He's a very earnest individual. So, unfortunately, too often he's the exception to the rule. Prosecutors examining tens of thousands of Trump inauguration documents. See, this is not going to end until they figure they can get him hanging from a telephone pole by one of his feet. It's just incredible what's going on here. Federal prosecutors in New York are scrutinizing tens of thousands of documents relating to Donald Trump's inauguration. President's inaugural committee handed over the cache of documents over the course of several weeks in response to a wide-ranging subpoena seeking documents, records, communications concerning the inauguration's finances, vendors, and donors sent in February February by the U.S. Attorney's Office with the Southern District of New York. I want to tell you a little story. See if I can find it real fast. I don't know that I can. It's in the the next to last chapter of my book. I must have this book memorized. I mean, the pages even. Uh, I don't think I'll get to it fast enough. But these investigations against this president are abnormal. Found it. Am I good or am I good? Eh, Whatever. But I found it. And we talked about this a little bit. You know, the re-election of Bill Clinton and the Democrat Party during that period. They received millions and millions of dollars in money from the red Chinese military. Did you know this? Millions of, and, and I don't remember Bill Clinton being investigated by the United States Attorney's Office. I don't remember Bill Clinton being investigated by a special counsel in this respect. Do you? The Democratic Party press was utterly uninterested. Except for the L.A. Times, they actually followed it up. Remember the name Johnny Chung? Does that name ring a bell with anybody? Hundreds of thousands of dollars brought to the DNC and in the Clinton campaign. Remember Johnny Chung? Remember Charlie Tree? Does that ring a name? Ring a bell? Raised $1.2 million in foreign money for the Clinton Legal Defense Fund and the DNC. Remember that? Dropped off $460,000 at the Washington office of the Defense Fund. Remember James T. Riotti, longtime friend of President Clinton? Remember the Lippo Banking Group? Poured hundreds of thousands of dollars to Clinton's first campaign for the White House in 1992. Then Attorney General Janet Reno refused to appoint an independent counsel under the independent counsel statute of that time. Media had very little interest other than a handful Democrat Party was in absolute cover-up mode, and here we sit. You'll learn all this in the book, or it'll refresh your memory. And here we sit. Here we sit. We need to know about Donald Trump's finances. So I would ask this judge, why? Why? Why do we need to know about Donald Trump's finances? Why do we need to know about Barack Obama's finances? Why do we need to know about Bill Clinton's finances? Hillary Clinton was a candidate. She was all 
slimed up with foreign powers. Why do we have a special counsel for this president? Why do we have a a report for this president? Why all these subpoenas for this president? Why spies in this president's campaign? I am telling you right now, I've never seen anything like this in my life. And I can't even point to a period in history when anything like this has happened. This is the reverse Watergate. This is where the victim is the president of the United States. And to hear these clowns like Joe Scarborough and Jake Tapper, how come there aren't, uh, how come you're the only two Republicans that raise questions about the Mueller report? You jackass. Why aren't you raising questions about the Mueller report? How come you're not raising questions about Trump, is what he was saying. This whole thing stinks. Whole thing stinks. Every you, you and I know exactly what's going on here. Exactly what's going on here, and they're not going to quit until they take this guy out. I'm going to tell you that's their that's their model. That's their that's their goal. They're not going to quit until they take him out through impeachment. They take him out through some uh, indictment if they can figure out how to do that. Take him out in the next election. That's what they're planning, and they're sending a message to anyone and everyone. Who dares to stand up to them? The media, Hollywood, the Democrat Party, all the rest of them. That we will destroy you. We'll turn nothing into something. That they learned from the old Soviet Union. They learned from the despots around the world. And then they dress it up. Like they're the freedom fighters. Like they're the the people who believe in true election reform. When in fact it is they we're burning down our institutions. It's like the press, you know. The free press in our country. What's so free about the free press? If you mean that the government's not interfering, that's true. But what's so free? Are they promoting freedom? Tell me, uh, uh, the free press, are they anything today like the press that led up to the Revolutionary War and during the Revolutionary War? They were called the Patriot Press, or that's the... The nomenclature, that the characterization that applies to them. Do you consider the press today the patriot press? Let me tell you something. The abuse of power by the press today is threatening this republic. It's threatening your liberty. It's threatening our constitution. Oh, I know. I'll get the same treatment. But I don't care. Because you and I really support freedom of the press. You and I really support the Bill of Rights, all of them. You and I want a free press, a truly free press. I don't mean a press that agrees with every thought we have and every idea we have and our politics and so forth. It would be good enough if they just stopped pushing the liberal Democrat agenda. But it's time we stop pretending. It's time we stop whining about it. It's time we stop closing our ears to what's going on here and closing our eyes to what's going on here. And just like the pamphleteers, what do we want to do about this? We need alternatives. We need more alternatives. Why do you think they always come after talk radio hosts like me and the whole format? Why do you think they go after Fox? Now, don't get me wrong. Everyone on Fox doesn't necessarily have the same view. There's no question about that. That's not hard to discern. But it is hard to discern on CNN and MSNBC and these other places. Tell me, who is the most conservative host on CNN, Mr. Producer? There isn't one. 
There isn't one. It's like the old Soviet Union. It's between, you know, Trotsky and Lenin and Stalin. And, uh, there's, there's, there's no... Uh, and, and you look at MSNBC, same thing. They've decided to abandon journalism. And they've done a hell of a good job of it. And they sound like... And, you know, Joe Biden and these other Democrats running about, sound like the biggest nut jobs that these networks put on their programs. I want you to listen to Joe Biden. Joe Biden who has lied his way through law school, who tried to lie his way into the office of the presidency, who's abused people as chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, great minds like Bork and Thomas and so forth. Listen to this jerk. Cut four. Go. If you had asked me a few years ago if our democracy was at stake, I would have smiled and, and laughed a little bit. But no more. No more. The threat to this nation, to our democracy, is real. It's clear and it's present. Now, I want you to listen to that. You know what this is a call for? Violence. If you believe the President of the United States is a threat to this nation and a threat to our democracy, and that threat is real, it's clear and present. In other words, clear and present danger that the President of the United States is a clear and present danger, that he is a threat to this nation and a threat to our democracy, that is a call, I'll do it the way the liberals do, that is a dog whistle for violence. That's what that is. And there's not a single damn reporter in this country who will say it and confront him with this. Go ahead. Watch the president now for three years. Look at what he's doing. Instilling fear. He just said the threat to this nation and to our democracy in real, it's a clear and present. It's clear and present. And then he says the president is instilling fear. Unbelievable. Go ahead. Not joking. Instilling fear. Sowing division. Stroking racial division. He's not stroking racial division, you idiot. Can't you even read your cards? Idiot. He's running to be the dumbest president in American history, having succeeded as the dumbest vice president and the dumbest senator. Go ahead. Every institution that was designed to check the abuse of power by the president or anyone else. So he's undercutting every institution that was designed to check the abuse of power of the president or anyone else. All this for what reason, he said? If you're a psycho out there, like the psycho who tried to kill Steve Scalise and others. And you hear this stuff. And you hear this stuff. From the former Vice President of the United States, who's the leading Democratic candidate right now, what are you thinking? You don't hear the media calling this guy out. You don't hear the media saying you're stoking the flames of violence. Only when you, you know what, you're the enemy of the people. Oh my God, what are you, Stalin? Now here's a guy saying these things about the President of the United States. He knows he's a liar. He knows this is not true. Like he's some guest on the morning schmo show with uh, Mika Brzezinski. Go ahead. All this for what reason? All this in order to solidify his base. And he doesn't ex- need to solidify his base, moron. The base is solidified. Haven't you heard? Haven't you heard? The base is solidified. You know, all the neo-Nazis and white supremacists. And the lowest of the low out there, 
who you consider his base is solidified. Go ahead. And his power. Think about it. No, really, think about this. There's relentless attacks on the free press, fake news, the enemy of the people. There you go. There you go. Not a dime's worth of difference between the media and the Democrats. Have you ever heard Joe Biden defend Fox News? Have you ever heard Joe Biden defend talk radio? Have you ever heard him uh, defend any news outlet that isn't one of theirs? Of course not. Of course not. He's not going to do that. Go ahead. Nothing to be dismissed. Tyrants and dictators all over the world are using the same language to stifle dissent. Oh, I see. So tyrants and dictators are taking their lead from Donald Trump, right? I seem to recall, you jerk, that it was your former boss, Barack Obama, who was into tyrants and dictators, like the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran, like the communist regime in Havana, like the communist regime in, in Beijing, like the fascistic regime in Moscow. I seem to recall that was you and your buddy, Traveling the country, putting down the United States of America. Remember that? You and your buddy. I seem to recall it was you and your buddy who were undermining the democratic country of Israel. Remember that, ladies and gentlemen? Oh, I remember that. And you went to the UN, where every damn reprobate on the face of the earth is represented. And you threw in with them. I remember that. We don't need any lectures from you, dummy. That's for sure. I'll be right back. Much. One more on Joe Biden. Look, I know it's very deadening to the brain, but uh, it is what it is. Cut six, go. I know President Trump likes to take credit for the economy and the economic growth and the low unemployment numbers. Just look at the facts, not the alternative facts. Boy, you're, you're clever there, Joe. May I call you Joe? Four-letter word, Joe, J-O-E. You know, Joe, uh, somebody wrote that for you. And you, you actually delivered it, so I want to congratulate you. Go ahead. For her inherited economy from Obama-Biden administration. No, nobody inherited an economy, and certainly not a good one, from the Obama-Biden administration. And what's with the Obama-Biden administration? Even Obama knows you're an idiot. Even Obama won't come out and endorse you. He's waiting for you to fall on your mouth, which is what you tend to do. You always burn out. Go ahead. Just like he inherited everything else in his life. Oh, what a... So, you see, ladies and gentlemen, Trump inherited everything in his life. I don't know. Has anybody looked at the New York skyline lately? You know who didn't build that skyline? Joe Biden. What has Joe Biden built in his career? He's been elected to the... He's 29 years old. He got elected to the Senate. He becomes 30 years old. He's sworn in. He's been on public welfare, the public dole. From day one. And I hope the president uses that line. You've been on the government payroll since before, well, since you were 30 years old. Government pension, government medical care, government transportation, 
government subsidies, government reimbursements. That's who he is. And not only that, Joe, we remember what you said in 1975. You sounded like a segregationist. Have you gotten over that? Remember that, folks? There's going to be plenty to deal with here, and I think the Democrats are going to be very sorry if they nominate this guy. First of all, he trips over his own tongue. Secondly, he's got a very seedy past when it comes to public policy. And third, he's a moron. No offense. He's such a moron, even Obama won't endorse him. And if Obama does endorse him, it's the kiss of death, too, because as I seem to recall, everybody who Obama endorsed, or pretty much, would lose. Obama had a very, very bad record when it came to endorsements. Very bad record. And so maybe we ought to encourage him to endorse Joe Biden. But anyway, you see, he just got everything else he inherited in life. Let's get his taxes. He's against democracy. He's, they don't even talk about Putin this way. They don't even talk about Xi this way or Un or Castro, any of them. They have more hate for Obama than they have for all these genocidal, mass-murdering dictators combined. It's sick. I'll be right back. Mark Levin, speaking to the four out of five Americans who are literate at 877-381-3811. You know, I've been thinking during the break. I do that. Write a little notes to myself. I don't just, uh, you know, twiddle my thumbs here. I was thinking during the break. Matt Drudge with the Great Drudge Report. He puts up on his site today that we are number one on Amazon of all books. Now, that won't last forever. That means you folks are pre-ordering more of my book on freedom of the press and anybody is ordering anybody else's books. And that's significant. That's the only barometer we have right now. Come tomorrow, when Costco and Walmart and Target and Barnes and Noble and Books a Million and all the other great bookstores and chains out there, independent bookstores and so forth, the retail, brick and mortar, start selling the book, we'll have more to gauge what's going on in this country. But if this truly does continue in the retail stores and online, I think that yet again something's going on in this country. That yet again the grassroots, the people out there who are not represented by the Beltway media by Democrats who run committees from San Francisco and Baltimore and New York and Los Angeles. I think it's going to be an indication that people are rising up. They want to be informed. You're preparing to engage now and in the next election that you want to right the wrong that's being done to this country ever since the president was elected and before. The effort's underway to undermine the electoral process. You know, we had two interfering with the last election, the Russians and the Obama administration. And now we have people interfering with the ability of the President of the United States to govern. Democrats in the House, 
the administrative state and federal judges. Especially this one today. What a doozy. We have prosecutors. You know, we have thousands of federal prosecutors. Thousands. Can you imagine? A friend of mine wrote a piece the other day. I'm not going to get into it, but I'd love to have this debate one day that a federal prosecutor should be able to indict the president. Can you imagine? There's thousands of federal prosecutors. Can you imagine what kind of mischief that would be? What kind of mischief that would cause? Be a disaster. An absolute disaster. So I was thinking, and I could be dead wrong. It may not happen. Just like with liberty and tyranny in the Tea Party movement, they came together at the same time. I'm just wondering, is this one of those moments? Is this one of those moments? Where the media, with the so-called experts are so focused on their own propaganda and so busy with their own demagoguery that they don't see what's taking place around them as they failed in 2016. Is this one of those moments where we all come together, Tea Party, Convention of States, Reaganites, traditional conservatives, people of faith, Trump supporters, and we say no, no, you're not going to drag us in that direction. There's too much at stake. I'm, I'm just wondering if this is one of those moments. I never expected this book to go to number one on Amazon as quickly as it did. You did this. You did this. I don't know what's going to happen in these retail stores tomorrow. I have no idea. I'll know soon enough. You'll know soon enough because I tell you the truth. I'll tell you what's going on. If we don't rally for the country, we don't rally for our liberties, and freedom of press is crucially important, then we lose them. We leave it to a federal judge in Washington, D.C. We leave it to six committee chairmen from dark blue Democrat cities. We leave it to a handful of unelected federal judges. And voila, we lose our country. You've already been the witness to the worst scandal in American history, and I am convinced of this. You've already been a witness to the worst reporting in American history, I would argue. A relative monopoly of reporting, covering up for police state tactics by the Obama administration and the Hillary Clinton campaign. And the victim of all this is under investigation yet again. It never ends. I feel like we're living, not country-wise, but government-wise, in a third-world republic. I really do. We're losing our judiciary. We have been for a long time. We're certainly losing it now. We're losing our other institutions. While they wave around our Constitution, while they wave around our Bill of Rights, They're destroying them. They're destroying due process when it comes to Trump. They're using police state tactics when it comes to Trump. They've got Obama judges. While they wear robes, they really are acting as if they don't have robes on, not like judges. 
president is denied due process with this report. Just because some re- re- prosecutor and his team of like-minded leftists issue a report. It's not the Bible. It's not the Bible. But the worst actor in all this, worst actor in all this, is the press. And if you dare to criticize them, they claim that you're against the free press. This is where I draw the line. We're not going to allow that to happen. We're going to fight back, which is why the book's called Unfreedom of the Press. Unfreedom of the Press, that's them. That's Jake Tapper. That's Don Lemon. That's Chris Cuomo. That's the whole bunch. MSNBC. I don't even know why it exists. Do you? No, I don't know why it exists. And you hear Joe Biden making the most outrageous statements. I want you to listen to somebody by the name of Fran Lebowitz. She's on Real Time with Bill Maher. I have no idea why Bill Maher is all over the Internet because he does an HBO show. He couldn't even be a lounge act in Las Vegas. Thinks he's Lenny Bruce. Thinks he's Lenny Bruce. More like Lenny Grabatsky down the street. Fran Lebowitz. Now, who the hell is Fran Lebowitz? Does anybody know who Fran Lebowitz is? She's some kind of writer? I don't know. But she's on HBO. These are major corporations that own these airwaves. HBO, whatever it is. Cut seven, go. Where are you on impeachment? Yes, no? Um, you know, I change my mind from day to day. I mean, where am I on impeachment? Uh, certainly he deserves to be impeached. I mean... Deserves, that, I know. We all think that. But. Impeachment would be just the beginning of what he deserves. Um, so, you know, not even scratching the surface of what he deserves. You know, but as a well, let's, just, let's just stop a, a minute. We're talking about the President of the United States. Listen to all this talk. These are like Antifa Democrats. All their crap about peace... All their crap about the tone, all the. Listen to how they talk. Even if I believed Obama should be impeached, even if I believed Obama's an anti Semite and so forth, would I ever talk in a way that suggests there ought to be violence against Obama? Go ahead. It's I mean, a practical matter. Whenever, you know, I think about this and what he really deserves, I think we should turn him over to the Saudis, you know, his buddies, the same Saudis, you know, who got rid of that reporter. You know, maybe they could do the same for him. Okay, here's the left. It's the mob. It's the mob. Maybe one of these days, I've done it before, but we'll spend more time on the French Revolution. These people do not believe in the American Revolution. And they're too stupid to know that they embraced the French Revolution. It was a bloody terrorist-type ten years where they even turned on each other. And the guillotine worked overtime. These people are not Americans in the sense that they embrace our values, our traditions, our systems. Quite the opposite. They attack them. They attack them. You wonder how you lose countries? Listen to this idiot, Fran Lebowitz. Fran Lebowitz. I am telling you we are at a turning point in this country. We just are. With the kinds of things they say about this president, and no, he doesn't deserve them. Look, you can be tough, you can be aggressive, but these sorts of things are unacceptable 
They're irresponsible. I want you to listen to this Pete Buttigieg, or whatever the hell his name is. Mayor Pete. Yesterday at the Fox News Town Hall event. And he's being praised even by some news people who you like as really an outstanding candidate. He was really good, you know. Substantively, he was a fraud in every respect. I watched a lot of this. I could barely do it. Substantively, he's a fraud. But so many of these news people, so-called, like the way he talks, likes his approach, how off the cuff he is. In other words, they're drawn to the superficial, not the substantive. They accused Trump of being vicious. This was a very vicious man last night. He attacked Tucker Carlson. He attacked Laura Ingram. He attacked Fox News. He accused the president and Republicans of trying to take health care away from people. And waiting for all the Pinocchios over there at the Washington Compost. He's attacked Mike Pence. He's, he has lied about Mike Pence as being intolerant of gays and and he and his husband. Mike Pence is not intolerant of anything or anyone. He may have a different viewpoint, but he's the kindest person you'll ever meet. And they're taken by this guy, the so-called journalists in this country. Cut 11, go. Tucker Carlson saying that immigrants make America dirty? When you've got uh, Laura Ingram... Okay, let, 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 let's just stop there. Immigrants make America dirty. Does that sound like Tucker Carlson to any of you? Does that sound like that might have been taken out of context? Uh, unbelievable. And he gets away with it. Laura Ingham comparing what? Go ahead. Tension centers with children in cages to summer camps? Summer camps? No, I, I heard then, what she said. She didn't say it was summer camp. She went down there and looked at these detention centers. Where they have playgrounds, where they have cafeterias, where they're sleeping on beds, where they have blankets, where they have a nurse or a doctor where they're cared for. And she said it looked like summer camp, certainly compared to what they've come from and where they've been. And he tries to turn this into something. And of course, he wasn't challenged either. There you go. Go ahead. There's a reason why anybody has to swallow hard and think twice before participating in this media ecosystem. But I also so the media ecosystem is amazing. So nobody's going to say, you know what? Mayor Pete, because we can't pronounce your last name, Mayor Pete. You're attacking the free press. You know what, Mayor Pete? You're like a dictator. You're like a king. You're attacking a free press. No, it's okay, ladies and gentlemen. He's attacking Fox. He's on Fox attacking Fox. Perfectly fine. He's attacking Tucker Carlson. That's okay. He's attacking Lauren. Oh, that's all okay. That's all. That's fine. That's okay. Just don't attack the other networks just don't attack the news people but attack Fox and particularly their primetime lineup all you want all you want and you're so courageous Mayor Pete whose last name we can't pronounce you're so courageous because there you went on Fox 
goes on Fox, he trashes Fox, he trashes two of their top hosts. There's no consequence for it. It's no big deal. So courageous was he, wasn't he? And he's the future, man. He was great. Oh, my goodness, he was great. He's a liar. He's a conniver. But he's smooth. Apparently, that's what they're looking for in the media. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. By the way, folks, if you'll bear with me, I want to thank all the outlets that are going to carry my book on freedom of the press starting early tomorrow morning. I want to thank Costco and BJ's and Sam's. I want to thank Walmart and Target. I want to thank Barnes & Noble. There's a big order in and books a million. I want to thank all the independent bookstores. I want to thank uh, all the stores I can't remember or that I've passed over. It's not personal, trust me. I want to thank you all. I want to thank, yes, Amazon.com has had a significant number of books available for some time now. Many of you who pre-ordered, you're getting notifications today that you'll receive the book tomorrow. You probably can still do that if you're interested in going to Amazon.com. So I'm hoping we're starting a new movement. And no press. It's not an anti-press movement. It's a freedom of the press movement. You see, that's our nomenclature. That's our belief system. We are the freedom of the press movement, not the opposite. If you've ever been on a cruise, I think there's one you're going to want to look into. Brent Bozell. Nobody does cruises like Brent Bozell over at the Media Research Center. He's planning a Mediterranean cruise September 13 to 24, and it sounds like a great program. And I wish I could go, and a lot of good friends of mine actually are going. And for all the details, just go to mrccruise.com or call 888-MRC-TRIP. mrccruise.com or 888-MRC-TRIP. They have a great lineup of special guests, including the Honorable James Buckley, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, Cal Thomas, Jason Chavitz, Joe Piscopo, Terry Jeffrey, and many others. And, of course, you, right? Getting a chance to meet and talk with people of this caliber really what makes these trips so special and you'll have time to talk with them directly personally you'll eat dinner with some of them you'll have plenty of chances to ask them all the questions you want It'll also be a great opportunity to meet over a hundred like-minded patriots who care about this country and its founding principles as much as you do i can't think of a better trip quite frankly the mrc is a great organization and they do a terrific job with these trips Go to mrccruise.com, mrccruise.com. You can go there for more information or give them a call, 888-MRC-TRIP, 888-MRC-TRIP. Look, these cabins do go, and you're going to want to jump in. That's mrccruise.com. Don't put it off, mrccruise.com. Joe, Fort Worth, Texas, the great WBAP. How are you, sir? I'm doing really good, Mark. How are you? Very well, thank you. Good. Honor to talk to you. I just want to let you know that I look forward to getting your book tomorrow when it gets released. Thank you. And uh, I just want to let you know, I, I heard you in the first hour talk about that, that you need to get that book out, give it to people. And, I'm, and I want to share with you and, and your audience some things that I've, I've got. I've got one my, minute, so you go ahead. Real quick. Uh, I pretty much bought all your books. 
I read them. My wife reads them. Give them to my daughter to read them. When we're done, I give them to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Get about a 50% response back, and sometimes it's a year or two afterwards, and the, the responses are great. It's like, wow, I never knew. Guys, just, just share the information. If you need to do something, that's one of the many things that you can do to help us all out. This is a big deal. I hope it's a big deal. I really do. This is a subject near and dear to all of our hearts. We've talked about it for years. Now it's time to really zone in. Thanks, Joe. We'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. Now, um... I'm looking here. There is a piece. I found it. Written by Charles C.W. Cook over at National Review. Let me tell you, this is a very impressive guy. Very impressive thinker. Very impressive writer. I don't think I've ever met him. I don't think I've ever spoken to him. He has a great piece over there at National Review. And the title is Socialism is Not Democratic. I want you to listen to some of this. He says, socialism is not democratic, nor is it compatible with the Constitution. He says, back in 2011, while covering Occupy Wall Street, I was accosted by a man wearing a large cardboard box. On this box, which he wore around his torso, as might a child pretending to be a robot, he had scribbled down a theory that at first glance seemed more sophisticated than most that we that were on display. It said, hey, man. It's up to us. To explain, he turned around to reveal the other side of the box, which bore a single word, democracy. Then having paused for effect, he turned around again and pointed to the front, which had written down almost every single economic system that had been tried in human history. Capitalism, socialism, mercantilism, autarky, distributionism, fascism, feudalism, potlatch, mutualism, and so forth. It's up to us, he said. Again, it's our democracy, and we can choose the economy we want. Further conversation revealed that he believed this quite literally. In other words, in his view, democracy was the sole non-negotiable element of our political system, while everything else was up for grabs. If a majority wanted to nationalize the banks or abolish private property or borrow international trade or invade Brazil and harvest its resources, that was its prerogative. As might be expected, he had a prediction and a predilection. Socialism, he explained, was both the most likely system to be adopted because it catered to the majority, not the 1%, and the best because it would fix all of America's problems without any downsides. It's up to us, right? He says, I've thought about this conversation frequently since then because it highlights some of the core misconceptions held by socialism's champions, which are in no particular order that the retention of a democratic system of government makes massive state intervention more acceptable, that capitalism is a system in the same way as is socialism, and that liberal democracy, and in particular America's brilliant constitutional order, can survive the establishment of a socialist economy. 
because I was there to write about the protests rather than to get into prolonged arguments. I listened and probed rather than disputed his contention. Had I been debating him, however, my rejoinder would have been a simple one. No, it's not up to us. Or at least it's not up to us in the way that my friend in the cardboard box was using the word us. As I write, ascendant elements within the American left are engaged in a sustained attempt to reintroduce and rehabilitate the word socialism, in part by prepending it uh, to it a word that has a much better reputation and infinitely better historical record, democratic. But voters should not be fooled by the rebranding, for there is no sense in which socialism can be made compatible with democracy, as it is understood in the West. At worst, Socialism eats democracy and is swiftly transmuted into tyranny and deprivation. At best, and I use that word loosely, socialism stamps out individual agency, places civil society into a straitjacket of uniform size, and turns representative government into a chamera. The U.S. Constitution may, as a technical matter, be silent on most economic questions, but it is crystal clear on the appropriate role of government. And the government that it permits is incompatible with and insufficient to sustain socialism. I'll tell you a little secret before I go. I'm reading with one eye closed. Because I'm reading on my iPhone. Because my damn printer doesn't work. So a little hiccup here and there. I hope you'll understand. This is deliberate. In the United States and beyond, we do not think about our democracy in purely procedural terms. While majority rule on certain political questions is indeed deemed imperative... We nevertheless reject the notion that majorities may do whatever they wish. We demand that our institutions leave room for civil society and for individuals. And we insist upon a broad presumption of liberty that extends across all areas of human activity. <clears throat> it is reasonably well understood in this country that to place the word democratic in front of, say, speech restrictions or warrantless searches or juryless criminal prosecutions would be in no way to legitimize those things, or to make them more compatible with the preservation of a free society. It is well understood that to place the word democratic in front of socialism is an equally fruitless endeavor, and for the same reasons. To those whose conception of democracy is limited entirely to the question of who won the most votes, this may seem paradoxical. To those familiar with the precepts beneath the Anglo-American tradition, however, it should be quite obvious just as the individual right to free speech is widely comprehended as part of what we mean by democracy, rather than as an unacceptable abridgment of majority rule, so the individual rights protected in property and by markets are necessary to the maintenance of a democratic order, in this deeper sense of the word. In the West, choosing to trade with a person in another country is itself a democratic act. He's talking about freedom. Electing to start a company in your garage with no need for another's imprimatur, is itself a democratic act. Banding together to establish a cooperative is in itself a democratic act. Selecting the vendor from which you source your goods and services, choosing what to buy from it, is itself a democratic act, and so forth. Properly understood, the attempt to draw a hard line between democracy and economics is not only a fool's game, but a game that socialists do not in fact play themselves. Hugo Okri, a self-described democratic socialist who ran for the Chicago City Council earlier this year, was recently praised in Jacobin magazine. Well, there's a name. Like the Jacobians. 
for explaining that democratic socialism to me is about democratic control of every single facet of your life. Now, that's one way of putting it, certainly. Another is tyranny, or if you prefer, democratic tyranny. Alexis de Tocqueville observed that the health of a democratic society may be measured by the quality of functions performed by private citizens. Lose those functions in America, and you lose democracy in America, too. Well, it goes on. It's quite good. We've talked about this, too, in a different sense. That is, the Declaration of Independence is not about pure democracy. It's not about voting on whatever you want to vote on. The three most important factors, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That is, life, liberty, and free will. That's what it means. There's nothing there about voting. You can have the most repressive regimes on the face of the earth where people vote. But it's pointless. It's one of the most repressive regimes on the face of the earth. Or you can give the vote to a mob. And the mob votes to destroy your unalienable rights. These things have their places. But we're not a democracy. We're not even close to a democracy. We're a republic. And you can listen to the left. You heard them earlier. They're violent propaganda, which can certainly endanger the president as far as I'm concerned. You hear their attacks on the Constitution, the Electoral College, as a perfect example. Why? Well, everybody's vote should count. Everybody's vote does count. But then we count the states. We include the states. Oh, we can't do that. Nothing comes between my vote and the candidate. Well, how about a republic? We are a republic. The only body that's directly elected, or was, is the House of Representatives. And it only had half of one part of the government. One of the reasons is the reason you see today. Look what's going on today. You have one election. Uh, you have close, close district seats, close uh, congressional races. The Democrats magically won most of them. And now look what the mob is doing in the House of Representatives. Would you want that all throughout your government? Would you want them making decisions about your private property rights? Tell me. If, in fact, the vote is king, then why have a Bill of Rights? The Bill of Rights are the product of a republic. Why have the Bill of Rights? And you can see more and more of this mentality, even in the investigations of Donald Trump. You hear people say, the president is not responding to subpoenas from Congress. Well, he represents another branch of government, and he's free to resist, quote-unquote. No, he's not. It's obstruction. It's obstruction? And the irony is, as this gentleman Cook points out, and we've pointed out many times, and I have in my books, these people really don't even believe in democracy even in its worst form, the mob. They believe in the centralized iron fist. If there's an election they don't agree with, the election's illegitimate. If there's an election they agree with, then they use the election to advance an agenda. But they always have the permanent government, don't they? The administrative state, or what we call the swamp now. And unfortunately, too many, too many life-appointed judges. You see, the judges who are originalists and appointed for life, they work within a box, and that box is the boundaries of the Constitution. 
The other judges work outside the box, inside the box. They move around to the extent they want to. You even have Ruth Bader Ginsburg with an odd kind of cult following who infamously said one day, and I paraphrase, it was videotaped, that we don't have the best constitution. There's a lot of good constitutions around the world. And we had to look at those constitutions when trying to determine our outcomes. Anthony Kennedy said the same thing. Others, Republican, Democrat justices have said the same thing. Now think about that. They're supposed to uphold the Constitution, interpret these disputes in front of them based on our Constitution, and one of them says our Constitution isn't so hot, let's look at other Constitutions. And a number of them say let's look at other Constitutions. These are the various elements of tyranny. Be a soft tyranny, as de Tocqueville will put it, but it's tyranny nonetheless. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I want to tell Joe Biden. I want to tell Joe Biden something. I want to tell the Democrat Party something. I want to tell the media something. If Joe Biden is, God forbid elected president of the United States, then I will talk about impeaching him the day after his election. And I will talk about indicting his son, Hunter, the day after the election. I mean, the idea that Donald Trump colluded with the Russians is so ridiculous. And look what they've tried to wrap around Don Jr.'s head for one damn meeting. And nothing happened. Joe Biden, you better keep your records nice and clean. Don't destroy anything. Your bank records, your financial records, your tax returns. And you tell your son Hunter the same thing. Because Hunter's going to be examined like no other human being on the face of the earth has ever been examined. And we're going to want Hunter's tax returns, and we're going to want Hunter's bank accounts. We're going to want his travel records. We're going to want to talk to his accountants. We're going to want to talk to his lawyers. All kinds of subpoenas are going to fly. And you guys are now creating the precedent with your Obama judges. You're creating the precedent for these subpoenas. Hunter Biden has become filthy rich. You know what I mean, Joe? He didn't build the New York City skyline. He used your name, Biden. He inherited it. And now children are no longer immune from these kinds of attacks, these kinds of investigations. Besides, Hunter's not a child anymore, is he? The Trumps made money the old-fashioned way. They built stuff. Buildings. They hired people. That's not the way the Bidens make money. Biden, Joe Biden, has been sucking at the public you-know-what his entire life. What about Hyden, uh, uh, Hunter? Hunter, I believe, has been peddling his father's name and his influence to great wealth. We're going to dig into this. I'm going to do some shows on this on all my platforms. And then I'm going to integrate it with what the, the House Democrats are doing and the precedent that they're setting, legal and political, for hunting down Joe Biden and his son. 
their finances and everything that's related to it, for the appointment of a special counsel. You've unleashed something you can't control now, media, Democrats, leftists. And since you guys are so damn corrupt, remember the Kennedys? Remember McAuliffe? Remember the Clintons? Now you'll be devoured by it. You have a double chin. You know somebody who has a double chin? You've heard them say, I wish this double chin would just go away. Well, your wish is our command with Genesel's outrageous summer sale. Double chins, sagging jawlines, turkey necks, real problems, right? Until now. Introducing the new Genesel jawline treatment formulated with MDL technology. Robin S. from Lubbock, Texas wrote, I put that jawline cream on my neck like two or three days ago. That is the best my neck has looked in over 20 years. And several people told me my face looks young. I'm blown away. Sure, you could use expensive or harsh treatments to look younger, but why would you do that? For this week only, get the Genesel jawline treatment absolutely free when you order the classic Genesel for eye bags and puffiness. And with its instant effects, see results in the first 12 hours, guaranteed or your money back. Go to Genesel.com, that's Genesel.com, or call 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604. And for a limited time, Chamonix will include a second surprise luxury gift free. Call 800-SKIN-604 or visit Genesel.com. That's 800-SKIN-604 or visit Genesel.com. You have nothing to lose. You have nothing to lose. Give it a try. 800-SKIN-604. We have a guest scheduled after the bottom of the hour. This is a gentleman by the name I'm told it's Lauer, L-O-W-E-R. Is that correct, Richie? And he is uh, going to run in the Republican primary against Justin Amash. Now, honestly, I don't know anything about the guy, but I do want to know more, and I want you to know more, and you'll make your own decisions. But Justin Amash has uh, staked out territory. Uh, He obviously is a fraud. He's an anti-constitutionalist, while pretending for his entire career to be the purest man when it comes to the Constitution. Clearly, he is not. And so I want to hear from his opponent. Maybe he'll have more than one. That would be a mistake if they have too many opponents in the Republican primary for obvious reasons. It's going to be hard enough uh, to uh, to win that primary. But I also hear that Amash has other interests, been thinking about running for other office, changing party, running as a libertarian for president, all kinds of stuff. I don't know. I'll have to ask uh, Mitt Romney, see what he thinks. We'll be right back. Show live and national at 877-381-3811. Boom, boom. I don't know where to start. You'd uh, you'd think with hard evidence from Mueller that there was no collusion. That this would be the end of it. But we live in a different day and time, don't we? That was just... That was just a fan dance. That was just a prelude to where we are now. Didn't really matter what Biden had to say, uh, what uh, Mueller had to say. 
And now the media, well, they're saying it's not over. The fight's just getting started. Well, guess what? We're ready to fight, too. If you've listened to my shows at any length of time, you know I'm unapologetically pro-Constitution, pro-conservative values, and pro-America. I've always told you what I'm about. And we break down the stories I think you need to hear. We also apply history and economics and philosophy to things that are taking place. The media are furious that we've pulled really a significant number of people from some of these cable channels. And they're not watching them, but they're watching me and some of my colleagues over at Blaze TV. So where does it end? It ends when you say enough is enough. And come check us out on Levin TV at the Blaze TV Network. Right now, we have a special offer. You can get a full 30 days to watch every show on the network, including Levin TV, absolutely free. If you decide to stick with us, we use promo code LEVIN to get a full year for less than 8 bucks a month. So I want to encourage you to start your free trial right now. You can watch Levin TV. Go to blazetv.com or give us a call at 844-LEVIN-TV. That's 844-LEVIN-TV. Representative James Lauer, how are you, sir? Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. Uh, you live in uh, Justin Amash's district, is that correct? That's correct, just in Greenville there. What are the major towns in this district? You know, it's a big district. Uh, Grand Rapids is probably the biggest city, and then there's uh, Greenville, Ionia, uh, Battle Creek down in Calhoun County, Hastings, and a lot of uh, rural agricultural land as well. And it's clearly a Republican district, right? Yeah, it's, it's been Republican for several decades. It's a very, uh, very strong uh, pro-Trump district. What is uh, Justin Amash's philosophy? It's loosely referred to as libertarian, but given his outburst on uh, Twitter, he's clearly not a constitutionalist, is he? You know, I wouldn't agree with I wouldn't agree that he's a constitutionalist. He's been very consistent. And I think what he's been consistent in is uh, supporting himself. You know, he's sort of a caucus of one and a and a party of one, and that's made him very ineffective in Congress. He's only gotten one bill signed into law over the last ten years, and it was to rename a post office uh, in the district. So it's time for a change. I mean, enough is enough. The 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 uh, straw that broke the mule's back was obviously him calling for our president to be uh, impeached. And tell us about you. Okay, well, I'm Jim Lauer. Grew up in Ionia County. Uh, you know, lived out in the rural part of the district for uh, most of my life. Um, currently, the state representative for the 70th district. Uh, went to school in uh, Michigan State, and then also downtown Grand Rapids at Grand Valley for my MBA. Helped on a variety of campaigns over the years. Ran for county commissioner and was elected at a young age. And I have a wife, Kristen, uh, and two small children. I have a son, Aaron, who's a year and a half, and a daughter who's four months old. And tell us, you know, tell us really about your philosophy in politics. Oh, I'm, well, I'm pro-Trump, you know, very pro-life, pro-Second Amendment, pro-jobs, uh, pro-family values, basically, you know, standard uh, Republican platform, and, and I voted that way, too, in the State House. How did Justin Amash become a congressman? You know, a lot of us supported him. I, I supported him in 2010 when he first ran. He ran on a good platform, and it made, it made sense at the time, but... You know, where's the beef? There hasn't really been a lot of results as far as that platform's gone. Was he a state rep before this? Uh, one term. That's correct. Mm -hmm. He's a lawyer, I take it? Yes. And are there other people lining up to run against him, too? 
You know, I'm not sure about that yet. There's there's some other people that, that have maybe talked about it, but, you know, we came out today and had a really uh, great rollout, got a lot of attention both statewide in the district and, and nationally. And my goal would be to be consolidated as the pro-Trump conservative alternative to Amash. And that way we have a better chance at winning. If people support my candidacy at votelower.com, uh, it's it's more likely that we can we can beat this guy if we get a crowded primary with a bunch of people. You'll in lose it, if you get a crowded good. primary. You'll lose exactly because he has exactly. name ID. Exactly. Now, now let me exactly. ask about that. You, you you're in a, you're a legislator. He's a congressman. How much bigger is the population that he represents than the population you represent? Uh, it's about times seven, roughly. Mm-hmm. Seven times as big. So you're going to need a lot of money to get name ID out there. Absolutely. We need a lot of it's going to be an expensive race. I don't think he's going to, you know, go down without fighting. So we'll need at least a million, million five, maybe more. Is he going to run for reelection? I keep hearing he may run as a libertarian for president or something. Are you hearing these things? You know, we're hearing that nobody nobody really knows for sure. It seems difficult to imagine he'd want to give up the microphone that he has right now, you know, as a member of Congress. But, you know, it's it's tough to figure out. You know, at the beginning of the show, I went through aspects of the Constitution and his arguments. And he really has this all upside down, doesn't he? Isn't the president the victim? Isn't the Constitution being undermined by all these processes? Isn't the prosecutor out of control issuing a report like this? I mean, how does a constitutionalist come down on the side of impeachment? Yeah, I'd love to know the answer to that as well. I mean, if you look at this whole Mueller investigation, there's nobody in the world that would have loved to have recommended that Trump be impeached or be indicted or or whatever else than than Robert Mueller. But even he couldn't come to that conclusion after, you know, this huge taxpayer financed boondoggle of an investigation. So, I mean, for the congressman to come to that conclusion, I just I just don't know what he's looking at. Well, suddenly he's all he's very popular with the media and very popular with Democrats like Tlaib from Detroit and so forth. So he's he's uh, he's a gadfly, isn't he? Basically, yeah. I mean, the, the, it's sad that you know at this particular point in time, he seems to have more in common with uh, Rashida Tlaib, not only on uh, Trump's impeachment, but she's you know anti-Israel. He's he's taken some votes against funding for military aid for Israel and and uh, national defense and things like that over the years. So really, that's kind of the direction he seems to be headed in. And I and I want to put a stop to it. And I want to represent that district and actually get things done for our community. Isn't that in part? What's going on here that he really is upset about what, uh, not completely, but in part, what the president has done with the uh, country of Israel? I'm not sure what the motivation is, to be honest with you. Okay. Now, have you, uh, you you ran for delegate. You were thinking of running for Congress against him before? I was. We were planning on a July rollout. We've been putting together a team. You know, uh, we've already had a strong team in place, but we were going to do a July rollout. But then... After Saturday's uh, Twitter storm, we figured there was no time like the present to make sure people in the district knew that uh, there's a strong conservative pro-Trump alternative at votelower.com, which is, you know, vote and then L-O-W-E-R.com. All right. I'm going to think about whether I endorse you or not, because I don't know you, but I'm thinking very hard about this because uh, publicly you sound like a very solid, good guy. Tell me about your voting record. You know, it's been a very conservative uh, voting record over the years, you know, 100 percent voting record with Michigan Right to Life, you know, Farm Bureau, Chamber. I've, I've been very successful working with my colleagues as Republicans, but I've even worked with Democrats and gotten some common sense legislation through and signed by 
uh, signed by our governor. I think that's a big contrast, too, you know, being able to actually work with our caucus. And, you know, I would help chair the recruitment team for the House Republican Campaign Committee here in Michigan. And in a very tough election year, we were able to retain majority. And I worked with our speaker on that. So I, I'm a team player and I'm someone that helps get other conservatives elected and other Republicans as opposed to, you know, attacking them in the media and, and not being uh, part of the part of the team. Anything else you want to tell us? No, I just appreciate. I really appreciate you having me on. It's been it's been great to be on your show. I thank you for considering endorsing me. And for the listeners uh, that are listening to the show, please consider checking out my website, votelower.com. You can donate on there. We're going to need a lot of help to win this election. All right, sir. We appreciate you uh, taking your time with us. Okay, thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. Take care. Sounds like a very attractive candidate so far. I'm going to dig into this a little bit more. My problem here, folks, is this. To turn the Constitution on its head during this time when we're trying to defend the Constitution and Republicanism. It's not stabbing us in the back. It's stabbing us in the throat. What Justin Amash did here, playing to the Democrats, playing to the media, pretending he's the pure Constitution, is appalling. Absolutely appalling to me. And think about this. If he succeeded and the president of the United States was impeached, I want you to think about what would happen to the country. I want you to think about what happened to your vote. What would happen to the 2020 election? It's like these never-Trumpers. And I suspect he's a never-Trumper, quite frankly. But it's like these never-Trumpers. If they had succeeded, can you imagine? We have never-Trumpers who didn't vote for Trump, and act, some of them actively voted against him. Can you imagine if Hillary Clinton had been president and who she would have put on the Supreme Court for those two vacancies? What the circuit courts would look like for the rest of our lives? What would be going on on the border rather than a president trying to stem the flow? Probably handing out uh, popcorn? I mean, just think about all the things that would be going on. So, you know, we got we have to try to do things where we can when, when, they, um, when they confront us, and this is one of them. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Twenty twenty will be the most important election in our lifetimes. Big issues are on the ballot: the border, Second Amendment, late-term abortion, freedom of speech, freedom of the press. Most expensive of them all. Healthcare. The left is pushing a plan called Medicare for All. They want to take a program seniors paid into all their lives and open it up to all comers, even the children of illegal aliens. It should be called Medicare for None. Because seniors will be forced to get in line with people who've paid nothing into the program. It's wrong. It's unfair. It will destroy the world's greatest engine of healthcare innovation, the American medical system. Where's the AARP in all this? Why aren't they lobbying hard to stop this raiding of Medicare? We know why. The same AARP-backed Obamacare. That's why I'm urging all of you to join AMAC right now. Because unlike the AARP, AMAC will fight hard against opening Medicare for all. I mean, Medicare is supposed to go broke in eight years. Shouldn't we be focusing on what to do about it? Instead of expanding it to people who've never paid into it, including people who aren't even citizens? Folks, become a member of AMAC.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. 
The stakes never been higher. And by the way, they have great benefits and discounts. It's a wonderful organization. Please visit, check out amac.us, A-M-A-C dot U-S, and join them today. Yes, I am a member. It's a wonderful organization. Don, Lake Ron Konkama, the great WABC, our man Don. How are you, sir? Hey, Mark. Great to talk to you again. And I want to congratulate you on being on the threshold of another bestseller. You know, I, I, I wish I had the concession on duct tape because the mainstream media heads are going to explode and I'll have, the, uh, I'll have all the rights to that. Yeah, right. Listen, I, I was uh, a little taken back by uh, that Mayor Pete uh, does not want to honor Thomas Jefferson. Did he, he didn't claim why. Was it because he was a slave owner? Is, is that where we're going again? Yes, I think so. Yeah. Well, you know, when Jefferson was 24, he started his law practice. He defended a man whose grandmother was the offspring of a black man and a white woman. And according to the law in 1705, the grandmother was subject to servitude up to the age of 31, as were any of her offspring. Jefferson defended him. He said that uh, under the law of nature, all men are born free. The judge overruled him. He was always for and against bondage. He wrote, he wrote the pamphlet entitled Declaration of the Cause of Necessity for Taking Up Arms. And it was a rallying cry. It was a, a pamphlet. Like you talked about pamphlets before. It was a pamphlet that uh, Washington had his troops you know, read to his troops as a rallying cry. And his first draft of the Declaration of Independence, he accepted the position of the Enlightenment, that all men were born free and slavery was contrary to the law of nature. But... Uh, he denounced the slave trade as a cruel war against human nature. Let me, let me, let me explain this, Don, because people are saying, but he owned slaves. Jefferson was a man bigger than his times. He was, because of his public service, he got into very difficult financial conditions. And he was in deep debt at times. I'm making no excuses. I'm explaining history. And so, he didn't feel he could let his slaves go. This was the whole manner in which he grew up. It's not that he, as Don is pointing out, was an advocate for it and celebrated it. He absolutely did not. They knew it was wrong. And they knew also they put in place a set of ideas and a government that at some point would have to not just address it, but abolish it. And these are not just my views. These are the views of Abraham Lincoln, the greatest civil rights leader ever. The greatest civil rights leader ever. Go ahead, Don. Uh, he also was a uh, he was very proud of his uh, authorship of the Virginia Statute for Religious Freedom. And that was mm-hmm. the model for our Constitution's First Amendment. Yep. You're very well read, man. I appreciate it, and I hope we'll see you at uh, one of the book signings. I, I will be there. I can't wait to see you, Mark. All right. God bless. Take care. I will be on Fox and Friends tomorrow morning, 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time. 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time. I will be on Fox and Friends. Always a great show. And I want to go through some of these book signings quickly. Saturday, May 25th, 1 p.m. Book ends in Ridgewood, New Jersey. We hope to see all you folks there. We love that store. We're going back to book review, Huntington, New York, Sunday, May 26th, 1 p.m. Great store, too. But, Mark, it's a holiday weekend. Well, so what? Spend your time with me. 
Saturday, June 1st, 10 a.m., Barnes & Noble, Tyson's Corner, McLean, Virginia. Wonderful mall there. Hope to see many, 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 many of you. And then finally, at least for now, Saturday, June 8th, 1.30 p.m., we have an event at the Reagan Library, Simi Valley, California. These are posted on the MarkLevinShow.com official radio website if you want to check them out. And I hope we'll see as many of you as possible. We always have a lot of fun, and people always meet new friends, and they become lifetime friends. I'm not kidding. And tomorrow morning is the big morning. It's when uh, Unfreedom of the Press, which we've been talking about now off and on for like two months, will be available to all of you. You can go on Amazon.com. You can do it tonight. Get it delivered right away. Or you can go to any of our wonderful outlets out there. Costco, BJ's, Sam's Club, Walmart, Target, Barnes & Noble, Books a Million. The airports are supposed to have them. I always cross my finger because they never seem to have enough. It's, It's an odd thing, but nonetheless... I think I mentioned Target, but in any event, uh, it should be everywhere. And if it's not, I hope you'll ask them, why not? Because I want you to know we have a big printing out there uh, to make it as available as possible to as many people as possible. And I want to thank you again. People say, Mark, you're number one on Amazon. I'm not number one on Amazon. My audience is number one on Amazon. But really, we'll see how this works out when it comes to the New York Times, when it comes to, uh, to all of you. We'll see if this is now the canary in the mine. That is, that this is really a movement that is generating now, a juggernaut that's beginning to take off, uh, just in time for the upcoming impeachment activity and just in time for the upcoming election or not. You're going to make that determination, your family, friends, coworkers, and so forth. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for listening. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel, all law enforcement up and down the chain. Thank you. And don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, one more time, tomorrow's the big launch. Unfreedom of the press. This is for you, not for the press. And I'll see you tomorrow morning on Fox and Friends, 8.30 a.m. God bless. God bless.